Hello and welcome to The Tint. I'm your host and erstwhile podcaster, Scott Fellman, Tannin uh, Aquatics. I'd like to uh, welcome you back to our world of all sorts of alternative style aquariums. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, as I say, every single time, it's been ton- a ton of fun doing this podcast and sort of putting a different flavor on our uh, on our uh, blog. So it's kind of neat to do that and see it come alive in a different way. And it's uh, it's fun to discuss some of these topics with you. Today, I wanted to talk to uh, to you guys and gals about something that's a little bit um, a little bit common sense, but it's something practical that we haven't really discussed. Now, for most of us that are interested in blackwater aquariums and other natural style systems, it kind of seems like the uh, the real thirst for knowledge, the hunger that we have, is to locate the fishes, the aquascaping materials, the botanicals, and all that stuff related to the theme or the uh, the the type of aquarium that we're doing, but it seems like the more practical kind of nuts and bolts stuff like filtration, for example, is just sort of accepted. We just sort of, yeah, okay, you had to filter to the tank. Like we just don't talk about it too much until we get the questions and we do get a fair amount of questions. And I do spend, I admit, I spend a lot of time contemplating the look and the feel of our aquariums and kind of wrapping my head around the mental shifts that we have to make and appreciate to, you know, to, to really, you know, be successful with this approach. You know, learning not to fear the tinted water, the decomposing materials, the biofilm, the detritus, all that stuff. And that's awesome that we're all sort of accepting that. I love that. It's very foundational. But I must admit that another one of the foundational things we don't talk about as much as we should is filtration. And again, we receive a lot of questions about this. So I'm thinking this topic is worth it. It's an important function and it's something that we as lovers of leaves and botanicals really need to give a little thought to when we set up our tanks. Now, of course, I can launch into some boring, been there, done that review on all the types of filtration, you know, systems available in the hobby and what they do and blah, blah, blah. And you'd be just bored to death and you'd stop listening to me after 30 seconds as opposed to the normal, you know, minute and a half maybe that you listen to me. I I hope you listen to me longer than that, but but there's a 50-50 chance you might just nod off. So we want to avoid that. Filtration is probably less exciting to many of us. It's more of like a must-have that once we figure it out, it gets a little more than an afterthought. Yet, you know, when you think about it, in the context of the types of tanks that we do, it's really important. Now, here's my first disclaimer, if you will. I'm no filter expert. I'm not an aquarium systems gearhead. In fact, I really don't care much for gear, as most of you who've read my stuff know. It neither excites me nor stimulates ideas for me. I view it as sort of a necessary evil. (laughs) Right? Sounds like I'm the perfect guy to talk about filtration, huh? <laughs> Someone that really doesn't care. Well, it's not that bad, but I just, it just doesn't excite me. And my thoughts on the topic are based, like everything I write, on my personal experience and my ideas, laced with a healthy dose of opinions and even some stubbornness, as you've come to expect from me. So here's the long and the short on it. I'm going to get real short and sweet on this part. You can use just about any type of filter available on your botanical style, natural aquarium, blackwater, or otherwise. The real considerations, in my opinion, are A, where in the water column you're taking the water from, and B, where the outputs are aimed. Oh, and C, what you're using filter media-wise in your filter. So let's just look at this a bit closer. Now again, I've used all sorts of filter systems on my botanical-style aquariums over the years, but the ones I tend to use, I don't know, maybe they'll surprise you, or maybe not. Now, as a reefer, I love my tanks with built-in overflows and with sumps. I love sumps. I love them because, A, you don't see any of that ugly shit, you know, heaters and stuff in the tank itself. Oh, and even the glassware, don't even get me started, but you may not think that glassware, you know, lily pipes and stuff are, uh, you know, that's ugly, but I'm no fan of them the way they're made now. I just, 
they completely and utterly suck in every way. And in my opinion, I just hate them. I hate them. <laughs> Why? Well, we could have the discussion some other time, okay? But but suffice it to say, I hate them. So, you know, that disqualifies some of the filter methods that a lot of people like. But I hate glassware. Did I tell you I hate glassware? I hate it. <laughs> and uh, let's see. B, sumps add water volume to your tank. That's what we were talking about here, by the way. Not my hatred of glassware, but the benefits of sumps or sump-based systems. Sumps add water volume to your tank. As the old sayings goes, you know, dilution is the solution to pollution and stability. And C, uh, some provide an area where you can keep filter media. You can keep, you know, uh, biological media, botanicals, wood to sort of influence the environmental conditions in the display aquarium itself. And like, if you hate the look of leaves and decomposing stuff in your display, but you love the black water look and the biodiversity, maybe some sort of good choice. In fact, they're a great choice because you can keep that stuff down there out of your physical system and have your beautiful sterile looking tank with tinted water and all the biological support we've come to expect from botanicals. Uh, D, I think they also, you know, another benefit that people don't think about is they rely on usually surface overflow wares. In other words, overflows, they skim the water from the surface, removing that film that accumulates, which can interfere with gas exchange. And of course, gas exchange is important when you have a lot of botanical material in your tank that's breaking down, right? You want to keep the oxygen levels up. So I'm also a big fan of these all-in-one tanks, like my innovative marine fusion lagoon system the one that we've seen photographed in various forms over the last few years with a built-in overflow or the ultimate nature systems all in one tanks that's the one that my little toucan thieves tucano habitat is in i love it it has built-in you know compartment on the back that more or less is a sump it's a great hybrid of a sort of a sump and an external filter and it makes it a really affordable simple aesthetically clean easy to maintain and operate system love it now I realize not everybody wants the expense, the logistics, the challenges, if you will, and the additional considerations like return pumps, space under the tank, etc., etc., which go along with the use of sumps. I get it. I also realize that the majority of freshwater hobbyists utilize glass aquariums that don't have overflows, so there are other options. Enter the canister filters. So let's, you know, where would we be as hobbyists without Eheims and Fluvols and all the other canisters out there? There's, they're really great because they provide you a lot of flexibility. And flexibility, as you know, is really important to what we do. Now, as is the ability to hide the visuals of the ugly canister filters, you know, for obsessive types like me, there's plenty of approaches you can take. Um, I actually think I wrote a blog and I linked it in my blog. I wrote something back in 2015 about how I hated my look of my Eheim so much. I hid it in a little basket under the tank. Real, not exactly novel, but it worked and it looked cool and it looked cool in my office. So people liked it. And of course, you know, the good thing, again, about uh, canister filters is they are relatively easy to maintain. They have that functional flexibility. You can keep things like botanicals. You can put leaves in there. You can put cones, catapa bark in, you know, media bags or cartridges. And it gives, again, those of you that like the concept of the idea of tinted water, but you don't like all the botanicals and the decomposition and biofilms and all that stuff, gives you the ability to keep that outside of the display proper. You know, that's important. Oh, and where the water comes back into the tank is pretty important too. So in my opinion, you should direct the return from your canister filters kind of near the surface to create a little agitation and facilitate gas exchange. Now, unlike pure planted aquariums where there's a definite benefit from using those freaking lily pipes and stuff like that to return the water well below the surface so you don't agitate it and keep the CO2 in there, I personally believe that you know our heavily stocked botanical stock aquariums benefit from this surface agitation. And did I mention again that I hate lily pipes? Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Boy, you're like, wow, this guy really doesn't like this stuff. 
<laughs> I mean, you can return some of the water towards the lower levels of the tank to keep things kind of stirred up and detritus in suspension or whatever without blowing stuff all over the tank. And that's my technical term for it. And of course, outside power filters do the same thing too. You know, they keep everything nice and neat and tidy and potentially outside the tank if you like. And, you know, you just have the little input and outtake or outtake and input. What did I call it? Input, outtake, whatever. You just, you know what I'm talking about. There's just the, the filter return stuff. <laughs> and I've spent a fair amount of time alleviating the fears of all those weirdos of you who don't want to see leaves and pods and such in your tank by explaining that you could just toss these things into your filter or your sump. And of course, it goes without saying that you can utilize all of these filters with the botanicals present in the water display, of course, right? Just wanted to make sure. The real issue, if you want to call it with, you know, with that um, in regards to filtration is what media you utilize. Again, I kind of call in my reef keeping experience to tell you that I'm a huge fan of activated carbon. I use it on literally on every tank I set up, even the ones with that gnarliest. That's an LA term. We, we say gnarly after everything, so that's just the way it is. Um, even the gnarliest, darkest tint imaginable. I love activated carbon. I love that stuff. I've used it, you know, for years in reefs. Most of you do too, in one form or another. But surprisingly, a lot of people don't think about it because we. We've sort of spooked you into going overboard with carbon because a lot of people want the tint. And yeah, it will remove some of the tint and probably even remove some of the humic substances and the other compounds that botanicals give off. It's not selective. That being said, it also removes impurities like volatile dissolved organic compounds, urea, some heavy metals, etc. It's valuable stuff. The key is just not to overdo it. Of course, you want to, you know, if you want to leave leaves and stuff in your tank but you don't want the tint as i've discussed many times just use the recommended dose of carbon and you get the best of both worlds at least aesthetically you've seen some wonderful work by george farmer uh, aquarium design group johnny ciotti uh, these guys like clearwater for some of their displays and they do these fantastic clearwater displays featuring botanicals because they use a lot of carbon or other material another one another material i like is a stuff called polyfilter um, it's an interesting um, filter media. It's like a, almost like a spongy material and it removes organics and can remove stuff like ammonia, even in low pH aquariums. It's uh, really amazing. I've never seen it actually remove the tint from the water caused by the tannins, or if it does, it's not very efficient at it. So that's a plus. Um, I know this is hardly a scientific assessment of the stuff, but I believe in it. I've used it for decades in pretty much every type of aquarium I've kept, fresh, brackish, reef, and I've always had excellent results, undetectable nitrates, phosphates, or whatever it does a really good job and I've kept very delicate animals very delicate corals demanding uh, invertebrates and have not had any issues now getting back to those specialized resins that I mentioned before um, I hope I mentioned those before if I haven't let's talk about specialized <laughs> resins okay um, these things are all something we're going to see more of in the future I believe now there's numerous materials out there they're used in other water purification work and they'll definitely work with our aquariums and I think you'll see people developing or adapting some of these products from like water treatment technology to end up in the aquarium trade where you know they'll get a price tag that's twice what they are for other purposes but you get the idea in the meantime you can continue to use materials like carbon purigen etc to do the trick just you know be aware of the way they work and what they'll do if you go full power in other words if you use the manufacturer's typical recommended you know dosage or whatever you'll have a really clear tank and that's cool if that's what you want um, nonetheless, I adore Seachem Purigen. That's like that's really great stuff too, and a lot of you have seen me mention it. It's what they call a macroporous synthetic polymer, um, also known as an organic scavenging, scavenging resin, and it essentially removes soluble and insoluble impurities from the water by adsorption. That's adsorption, not absorption. Look up the differences. There is a difference. 
it cleans up stuff in our common uh, vernacular here, like really well. <laughs> and I think that every aquarist should have a, a box or a bag of Purigen in their sort of box of fish stuff, not just for regular use, but for like emergencies and stuff like that. It's really good stuff to have. And of course, I recommend mechanical media too, like those plastic noodles and filter pads and floss and, you know, also biological media, you know, ceramic beads and such. All these things have their place. Biological material goes without saying. And most material will turn biological anyway. And we've even had our theories, as you know, about botanicals sort of becoming a breeding ground for beneficial bacteria in our tanks and, and in the, you know, in the filters. So that makes sense. But there is also, you know, mechanical media to remove the bits and pieces of things that float in the water column. I think we talked about that not long ago in another installment of this podcast. So um, this, you know, I didn't even talk about like how to optimize the placement and utilization of filter media in your filter, you know, where, what goes where and, and how to use it. This stuff's been written about for years and years by people that are like way more interested and knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. So don't be lazy. Just get out there and Google it. You know, so my summary on filtration, once again, Use whatever type of filter system you like, whatever one you're familiar with, whatever one works with your tank. The key is how you utilize it, what media you employ, where you draw the water into it, and where it's returned. Those are the big factors. Um, So, you know, like pretty much everything else we do in this sector of the hobby, there's plenty of room for experimentation, innovation, and even breakthroughs in regards to filtration of our systems. Uh, I've been a big... Um, believer that there is a biological filtration component to keeping botanicals in the tank uh, analogous to what you would see in a reef aquarium with live rock and sand I really believe that based on my rudimentary understanding and studies of you know wild um, botanical influenced systems i.e. leaf litter beds and streams in the flooded forests and uh, peat bogs and all those kind of neat environments there is a certain amount of biological activity that goes on in those leaf litter beds and botanical beds where I'm thinking that you're creating a matrix of uh, biofilm and so forth where these materials can recruit beneficial bacteria that purify, for want of a better word, our water. They break down organic wastes. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think that in the future, I'll go on said, I think that the idea of a botanical refugium, uh, refugium is a sort of a sump, like kind of like or a vessel that holds water from the aquarium and Uh, whatever kind of material you want to keep delicate things that you don't want preyed on or disturbed by animals in the tank you keep them in there i think you're going to see more of those uh utilized in our botanical systems i think it's a logical extension of what we do and i'm kind of looking forward to seeing some some of my reefer buddies get into the um botanical style aquarium world and more of them are and they're going to bring those ideas with them and i think that'll be a lot of fun to see we'll sort of fuse the two together in a planted tank guys uh, i've seen people do that already put plants in, in, in sumps and things like that. So there's, there's a whole bunch of interesting hybridized um, methodologies that we're going to see um, probably coming into prominence, you know, in the context of our botanical style aquariums in the, in the future. And it's, it's really the open source component of what we do. It's really an invitation and an opportunity for you, the working aquarist, to make a big impact on this hobby. And that'll foster benefits that perhaps we don't even understand right now. So don't be afraid to make those experiments. Don't be afraid to try new things or try old stuff in different ways. There's a lot of good equipment that can be adapted to all sorts of things. We just have to be creative and willing to go for it a little bit. So again, bottom line, yeah, just use what works for you, what benefits your fishes, and what creates the best outcomes. At the best, this is a summary of ideas and hopefully a little dossier, if you will, and potential things to do in the future. So I want you guys to really get in there, do some work, stay excited, stay engaged, stay bold, 
stay curious, stay inquisitive, stay innovative, stay diligent, and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Fellman asking you guys to be patient with your tanks, love your fishes, stir up those leaves, see what's living in there, keep the water tinted, keep the tanks clean, and again, come back next episode and we'll have something more interesting to talk about, I'm sure. Thanks again. Have a great day.